Hello, everyone, and welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. I am Mike Hancock, along with Kyle Davis. We will get you caught up on everything that is the Toronto Rock. A very busy week ahead with two games on the slate. But before we get to that, uh, we will talk about this past weekend's game involving the Toronto Rock and Colorado Mammoth on St. Patrick's Day. A great crowd in attendance, a great little pregame ceremony. The jerseys went over big. Um, KD, I guess we'll, we'll first talk about the game before we get into all the other fun stuff about it. But a, a 14-11 loss by the Rock to the Colorado Mammoth. 13-11, really, plus the empty net goal, which Colorado had a, uh, a few swings at that down the stretch with a couple of posts before uh, Joey Capito finally buried his second chance, but the Mammoth's third chance at an empty netter. Um just general overall thoughts on uh, a game that uh, I think when we look back at this, it, you know, I guess my first thought is this could end up being a turning point in unfortunately a bad way. If things kind of keep going the way that they have over the past few weeks. However, this could also be the jumping off point of something really good happening with a couple of games here and four games in 10 days. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, obviously dis- disappointing home loss. Uh, you you want to pick up all every win essentially don't get me wrong but in front of the home crowd you want to I don't think it was the their best effort or well not so effort uh, obviously they're out there they're giving it their all just in terms of execution and you know end result obviously wasn't uh wasn't what we wanted to me it felt like we were constantly you know just couldn't get ahead in the game not like just we would chip in you know we'd get one one by them there and we're we're pulling in within one we could never really get on a run they would come back down and and bury the next one it was uh just felt like we were chasing the game chasing Colorado all night to a certain extent there um you know I thought Ward was was good in net good enough to get the win obviously but uh as Maddie alluded to post game there he didn't think uh you know quality over quantity there maybe was uh, a little deceiving as uh as discussed in his post-game interview, and I'd have to uh, have to agree with that assessment for sure. But uh, get to rebound with two games this week. I, I mean, to take a positive, it wasn't an in-division loss. Obviously, what happened with the other teams did happen, and, uh, you know, not ideal. But uh, you, you move on, and you, you have a good practice tonight here, Tuesday at the track, and uh, you have two games to rebound and, and correct, uh, correct the wrong from this, this past weekend. Yeah, and I think uh, it's interesting that you pointed out the post-game comments from Matty Sawyer, and we'll hopefully get a chance to dive into it a little bit here with Rock assistant coach Bruce Codd, who will be stopping by on the podcast today as well. But even just, uh, like you say, with chasing the game, and if that's putting more pressure on the offense or the defense, I think will be an interesting thing to, to talk to Brucey about because I guess really – in my mind, immediately, I think it probably puts more pressure on the defense because, you know, if you're always trying to catch up, you eventually have to put in a couple of stops here so your offense can hopefully get on a run and at least tie the game or, or perhaps take the lead, which Toronto never really did, obviously, after getting up one nothing early in the game. So, um, like you say, Toronto's always chasing the game, and it, and it seems like that's been uh, the theme a couple times this year now where they just haven't quite been able to get over that hump. And... Um, it was a few weeks ago, too, uh, I think against New England, where it seemed as though every time the Rock did get a goal, it was almost off the ensuing faceoff, even in some cases, the very next possession that the Black Wolves were going down and getting a goal. So um, it's it's slightly alarming, I guess, when you think that there have been some recurring negative themes here, which, uh, you know, Matt Sawyer alluded to again in his postgame comments about eventually – 
you know, this team's going to have to start to figure out how to win some of these close games. And I don't really think it was necessarily a case of Colorado being better than Toronto um, on Friday night, but perhaps just that the Rock maybe weren't better than them, if that makes any sense, that the Rock could have been much better than they were. I'm sure Colorado could have been much better as well, but um, I wouldn't think the Mammoth left there thinking that they played a great game necessarily either. It wasn't uh, it wasn't maybe the best game overall. And, and you get back to Dylan Ward, and just late in the game when the Rock did need a goal, he did come up with the saves. And, and I think the quantity versus quality argument is a great one. Um, but sometimes I also think if a goaltender, like we know very well with Rosie, if a goaltender is in the right spot, a lot of saves look really easy. And I think at times that became the case because Dylan Ward was very good positionally, I think, late in the game, made the saves and was starting to make things look really easy. Um, so it's kind of a potato-potato thing, I think, a little bit sometimes when it comes to that. But um We'll talk a little bit, too, about face-offs. I just want to touch on that. You know, Jordan Magnuson does a pretty good job, goes 14 for 30. Not a huge difference in the numbers that uh, Brad Cree was putting up. But another guy who uh, stepped up big in the point production category was Steph LeBlanc, who went 3 and 3. And if anybody follows Steph on Instagram, they'll know that uh, he posted the video of him, his crease dive, where he kind of – it almost looked – like he might have been out cold he, he dove and he bounced on the, on the <laughs> turf and it was one of those situations where you see a lot of times in hockey where a guy might be out on his feet which wasn't the case obviously here but where a guy might be out on his feet and he's not able to protect himself when he's going down and ends up basically face planting into the ice and that was a similar thing that happened to Steph I thought on Friday night was he, he face planted and bumped a couple times face right into the turf hard on the dive bounced a couple times and he had a nice uh basically ball-sized bruise on his forehead afterwards from that uh, little dive. So uh, from all accounts, he's doing just fine. No uh, concussion or anything to worry about, obviously, there. But, uh, you know, a little bit banged up. Took a, took a pretty big hit to the head, really self-inflicted <laughs> uh, in some ways there on that crease dive. But I just thought overall uh, Steph stepped up with uh, three goals and, uh, you know, getting them – in the early going as well when, uh, you know, the Rock were, were definitely right in the thick of things. For sure. I thought he was great, and it's great to see that, right? Assistant captain, he's a leader up there, and uh, and you want him leading by example. And I think that's uh, that's the kind of goal you want out of him, like big body on the left side going to the net hard and, and finishing with a purpose. And obviously, you know, you don't wish any anyone to get banged up or, you know, like we can laugh at it, not laugh at it, but, you know, have a little lighter mindset towards it now to know he is all right but I think that was a a great goal and you mentioned the face-offs and just a couple like lacrosse the little things make such a difference right you get a couple a couple more face-offs not that Magnuson did a bad job by any means but just slightly under 50 percent and um but gets you in a couple more looks up front for instance if you are picking up you know two or three more draws and you essentially lose the game by two goals like I said I know they got an empty netter but who knows what happens there and a couple other uh you know, Tom Schreiber, he's been great all year. We've been talking about that. Don't get me wrong. Only got one. Hickey, I think, only had one. Um, couple guys, bigger guys up front that, you know, if they, they find one here or one there during, uh, they obviously get a lot of a lot of opportunities. And uh, if one of those drop, it's, uh, you know, different game as well. Game, game of inches, and uh, it's been like that. Seems like the Toronto Rock have been on the, 
the losing side of those tight nail biters of late, unfortunately. Yeah, and another guy that uh, always seems to fly under the radar, Casey Behrens, pops three goals, and we talked about him last week being a guy that uh, maybe did some good things on offense that don't sto- don't show up on the score sheet, and then this past week he gets three goals that obviously do show up on the score sheet, and, and you notice his presence back in the lineup in a big way. Kieran McCardle was not in the lineup uh, last week. He was away uh, a family wedding. He'll be back uh, this weekend for both games, uh, Georgia and Vancouver. So uh, there will be some uh, roster movement to come as well. It appears as though with uh, a couple of guys possibly getting healthy this week. So, um, or if not this week, very soon. Um, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, of course, here. But uh, it looks like there are some guys on the men that could be uh, inserted back in the lineup as early as this weekend. But we'll have, uh, actually, by the time you're listening to this, there's a good chance that uh, we may have the definitive word. But, of course, like we talk about all the time, Tuesday night, this is practice night as we're recording the show. And a lot happens um, in terms of the guys getting to you know meet with the training staff and the team doctors and uh, get uh, everybody's most updated bill of health, so to speak, here in the building uh, on a Tuesday night. Um, other things from the game on Friday night, uh, if we continue to take a look at the Rock real quick, uh, defense and goaltending, it seemed like in the first half, like when you said they were chasing the game a lot, I think some of that seemed to be the defense, there were some breakdowns that led to goals, and then I thought there were some opportunities where um, and I think Nick Rose will be the first guy to tell you this, that he could have made a save and got the stop kind of for the defense, so to speak, and, and that didn't happen in the first half, which is why I think the Rock may have deserved a bit better fate in the first half, had a couple of th- smaller things gone their way in those opening 30 minutes in the first half. So, you know, it was a one-goal game at the half, and I think the Rock very could have easily been up by a goal or two rather than down by one. So, um, like you say, a game of inches, momentum, stuff like that that comes off face-off wins and you think 14 wins you know if Cree's in there and if he's at his season average maybe he's at 16 or 17 wins um and again I I don't I don't always think it's about an extra possession here too because you're always getting the ball back I think it's that momentum thing and when those face-off wins occur if they're late in the game when you need the ball or like we say if you've scored a goal and can pick up that ball and go right back down, you're putting a ton of pressure back on that other team's defense by having the ball in those different situations. So um, maybe we're just back to the theme of quality over quantity, momentum, timing, all those little things that uh, can make such a big difference in a lacrosse game. So uh, we will take a look ahead to uh, this weekend, Georgia on Friday night, uh, the Swarm, giving themselves some breathing room, picking up another win on the weekend. And, uh, and then Saturday night, the rock will be back home against the Vancouver stealth. So we'll preview those two games a little bit later on in the program. We've got some good discussion, I think, uh, coming up that we've, uh, we've, uh, we've planned, we've planned this discussion <laughs> loose. We've got a couple notes, but, uh, anyways, we're going to uh, jump into that a little bit later on the show, but we're going to take a short break here. And then when we come back on Toronto rock, total access, we will have Toronto rock assistant coach, Bruce Cod with us here in studio. Stay with us. Check it out tonight. We're going to flip and trip and let it all hang out tonight. We're going to say what we like. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. I am Mike Hancock along with Kyle Davis. We've now got Toronto Rock assistant coach Bruce Codd in studio with us. Welcome back to the show, Brucey. Great to be here. So uh, I guess just right off the top, we like to start off with a nice easy one and just get your general uh, thoughts and impressions on 
Friday night's 14-11 loss. Um, you know, it was obviously a little disappointing with the result. Uh, you know, uh, as coaches, I think we were we were very disappointed after uh, after the game and our you know our debrief in the dressing room. And then you go home and you watch the tape and and you look at things and it maybe wasn't as bad as what you initially thought. Uh, certainly, it was one of those games that we just never seemed to to be able to get the lead. We'd get close, and then for whatever reason, you know, they would score and kind of kill any momentum that we had. So. I really thought that if maybe if we would have got a lead, you know, maybe in the third quarter or fourth quarter when we had some of those opportunities to do that, it might have been a different outcome. Um, but yeah, it was uh, just one of those nights. I think that um, you know we made a couple little mistakes that that ended up really costing us at the end of it. And obviously, uh, you know, we've had a, we've had a few of those over the course of the season, and I think that comes with some of our uh, um, youth. Yeah. <laughs> now we kind of are, have already talked about this a little bit off the top of the show, Kyle and I, um, and just when games are tight like that and it's tough to get the lead and you're always chasing it, is there more pressure on the defense there that you guys have to get a stop and, and build momentum? Um, or is the pressure on the offense in that situation? I think it's probably a combination of, 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 of both units, you know, kind of maybe, uh, you know, when you're when you're struggling to score, you maybe you try some things that uh, you normally wouldn't do, and and sometimes that goes back to to bite you. And certainly, we had a couple of those where we you know gave up goals in, in transition, probably by you know maybe taking extra risks. And and I think it's a little bit on the defense too. Sometimes I think we, you know, you you, you fear that you you can't make a mistake because it's going to end up in your net. And and when you play like that, it you know it sometimes quite often it will end up in your net. So yeah, I think they're you know kind of on both ends of the the floor. You know, when it's a tight game like that, sometimes it it leads to bad things now you uh you yourself mentioned uh some youthfulness perhaps uh, entering into the fray here on friday night um correctable stuff is it stuff that may not be corrected for a few years with experience maybe not years but just more games under their belt is it something like that where it's just these guys have to play through those situations is it a specific x's and o's thing that's correctable probably real quick or what uh, what are the youthful i guess uh issues we'll call them right well, now <laughs> well i mean uh, you know some of them i think are definitely um a lot of them are very correctable you know uh, certainly you know some of those examples i talked about uh, the, the transition goals that we gave up, I think some of those were just, you know, not maybe necessarily being in those situations a whole lot. And those ones were very correctable, you know, just going back and taking away the, the easy outlet as opposed to, you know, maybe going and pursuing a ball. And, and then all of a sudden now you're chasing the guy when, you know, you could have eliminated that right off the bat. So we'll watch tape on those types of things and point those out and, and hopefully they don't, they don't uh, you know, resurface again. Uh, and some of the other stuff too, I think, you know, to kind of what we talked to about the first point about, uh, you know, putting pressure on ourselves. I think some of that comes from, you know, you've been in the league a while, eventually that stuff you know, doesn't really phase you a whole lot. Whereas, you know, some of the, you know, maybe we put a little bit of pressure on ourselves just because, you know, we're, we're not used to being in some of these uh, situations and, and tight games and things like that. And I think over time, you know, the more that we're in those, that the better we'll be uh, in those situations. Uh, so those would probably be two things that stick out. And, you know, some of it just, uh, just I guess, is the confidence, uh, you know, in, in those types of situations. 
And now that we're, we've just kind of gone past the halfway point of the season, you're quickly into the stretch run, it seems like. You know, when you get into, you know, suddenly the team's played 11 games and it seems like just a week ago you're talking about, you know, we're just about at the halfway point, which is true. But do you think now with some of this youth that we're talking about, is the grind of the season starting to catch up to these guys a little bit, having not gone through this at all? Or is this something that, you know, and I guess when we talk about the grind of the season, there's about to be the biggest grind of the entire season coming up with four games in 10 days. Yeah, no question. I mean, I like to look at it as a positive thing, you know, usually as the season gets, uh, uh, you know, in the dog days of the season, I guess, in which we're really into now. And, um, you know, I look at it with the, the four games that we've got over the next two weekends. I hopefully that some of our, our youth will, will be a benefit. You know, maybe we won't be as, as tired and sore as maybe you would be if you had a veteran club when you're playing that many games in, in such a short period of time. So hopefully that's a plus. But, um, you know, I don't know if there's, you know, too much uh, um, in terms of, you know, uh, that we're tired or fatigued. I don't think that's a, an issue with us. I think it's just, you know, learning some of those, you know, different situations and, and, and getting better from it. And I, and I think we will. I mean, uh, we've got a good group of kids that, you know, really want to want to learn and, and absorb stuff. So, again, I, I hope I hope I'm I'm right in the fact that we're not going to be, you know, tired and, and kind of hit that wall that you hear about sometimes with with young teams. Now, last time we were talking, Bruce, it was, uh, you know, fairly positive. Not that it's not. It's just a little, I guess, a little rough patch currently going on around the Toronto Rock. How important is it uh, from a coaching perspective to to keep that positive message though uh because in reality we are still six and five here still second place in the in the east and still technically do control our own fate for the playoffs here yeah no question I think that's been you know something that uh, as coaches sometimes uh, can be tough when you you know we've lost what three of our last four you know sometimes it's it's easy to you know point to the negatives and I think you know Maddie's done a great job of you know reminding us of the things that you just mentioned that you know we we still control our own destiny uh you know obviously playing Georgia this weekend you know we could still be in a situation where we're, we're fighting for first and you know that's not really where our focus is but um you know certainly something that we control a little bit you know we definitely control keeping uh ourselves in second spot uh, with the teams that we got coming up uh, down the stretch here um, so yeah like you know it's it, that's that's really I guess where our focus is is you know making sure that we you know get through this little patch here and, and get ourselves ready for you know obviously the big push at the end of the season and looking ahead to Georgia now uh, seeing them once and it we were you know two seconds away or, or a minute away from you know picking up a win last time against them what's uh, what's your thoughts on going into Georgia's building I believe they're five and0 down there this year and uh, after seeing them once making uh, some adjustments or what's your, your overall thoughts on uh, what you got to do defensively I guess for that high powered offense well certainly they did a good job uh, against us the game in uh, in Toronto where you know you know um, Lyle Thompson had a, had a big night you know he had one goal but he, he had nine assists to go with it and I think he created a lot of stuff one-on-one uh, -on -one. so I think we'll have to make sure we get good matchups and and also have good uh, support whenever he's got the ball because certainly he did a great job that first game uh, uh, you know creating stuff for us and the other th area that they were really good that night was their was their power play um, you know they've got the the you know the most successful power play unit in the league so it's something that we'll have to be very conscious of it seems like teams always take a lot of penalties against them so that'll be something that we'll be looking to avoid to do as well because they are so potent on the power play um and you know the other thing that we'll, we, being familiar with them having played them once 
but they also didn't have Randy Stats in the lineup. And, you know, for the first time last weekend, they had their full uh, complete offense. And, and obviously, you saw the result. Uh, they put a pretty good pounding on, on Calgary, right? So we know it'll be a, a, a tough test, but I think we did learn a few things from that first game, and, and hopefully we'll be better for it. And then the next night, uh, coming home, the very short turnaround and the travel also, uh, you know, flying back middle of the day landing in Toronto not not too much time even once you're on the ground to get ready for the game uh, against the stealth on Saturday night at home but uh, you know they come in with a pretty potent offense as well and a guy that Corey Small uh, I feel like he kind of flies under the radar usually Um, is he the guy you're worried about most uh, maybe not to let the cat out of the bag here but (laughs) is he one of the guys you're worried about most or is he one of those guys that unfortunately does fly under the radar and then does a lot of damage maybe well there's no question that you know he'll be somebody that we'll be aware of and pay attention to he's having a fantastic year I mean uh, seems like he's scoring three a night and and you know uh, but they have a lot of other weapons there too you know obviously uh, my time in, in Calgary I got familiar with playing these guys a lot so I've seen what Reese Dutch is very capable of doing and you know obviously uh, he'll be a guy that we'll have some focus on and uh, Logan Shush and you know they've added some different pieces this year too uh, with Corey Conway and um, you know so they've got a very uh, well well rounded offense so if we were to focus on one guy I don't know if that would be our our best game plan but you know certainly Corey Small will be somebody that we'll want to make sure we (laughs) we pay some attention to for sure. Absolutely. All right, uh, Brucey, thanks a lot for taking some time to join us. We'll let you get ready for practice, and uh, we'll chat again soon. Thanks for having me. All right, that was Toronto Rock assistant coach Bruce Codd joining us here on Toronto Rock Total Access. We'll take a short break, and we'll be back with more in just a moment. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access here to wrap up the show. We're going to uh, look ahead to this Friday's game against the Georgia Swarm and Saturday night's game against the Vancouver Stealth. Saturday night, of course, back here in Toronto. Friday night, you can watch the Rock and the Georgia Swarm at 7.35 p.m. start. You can watch that live on NLLTV.com for those of you who subscribe. And if you don't, you can still jump in there on the single game purchase as well and uh and grab uh, grab the feed there as well. Live at 7:35 NLLTV.com. So let's uh, let's go here. Friday night, Georgia Swarm, Toronto Rock. The first meeting went to overtime. Um, obviously, the Rock were just seconds away from winning that game when Shane Jackson, I believe it was, scored the tying goal, and uh, Johnny Palace got the overtime winner in his first game back in the lineup this year for Georgia. And as Bruce Cod mentioned, you know Randy Stats played his. Uh, well, not his first game of the season, but the first time that he was back in the lineup this year with the full complement of offensive weapons for the Georgia Swarm. They're 5-0 and at home. Uh, your thoughts on this game coming up Friday night? Yeah, I, I'm excited again. Just as the, the first Georgia game, you know, we got the 1-2 and two in the East here. I, I like the matchup going into it last game versus Georgia for Toronto. And, you know, it's obviously it's going to be a grind. It's going to be a hard game. Georgia's record is what it is for a reason. Um but I, I like this for Toronto. I think it's going to be good to uh, to get out on the road again. We saw what happened when the you know the team's last flight, I guess you could say, out in Calgary. I thought they were a pretty dominant performance, and I'm uh, I'm thinking the same the same thing might happen. Maybe not as dominant score wise, but I'm expecting the the Toronto Rock to rebound with a with a good hard fought road win before coming home Saturday. If we're tossing a prediction out here for the Georgia game, uh, high scoring offense. 
we all know that from Georgia, and I think uh, I think Toronto's going to find a, a close 13-11 win down there Friday night and, you know, really, really rebound after this past weekend's effort. I think uh, for whatever reason, we're actually going to be in for a little lower scoring game just because uh, I'm going to go against the obvious thing here where it should be a higher scoring game. But I'm going to go uh, 10-9 Toronto win on Friday night. I think it's going to be very close. Um, I think it's time for the Rock to have a bit of a shutdown game here, and I think it could come on Friday night in Georgia. Um, before we get into talking about the Vancouver game, uh, it would be very poignant, I think, to talk about the goaltending situation this weekend. Brandon Miller has yet to play a minute this year for the Rock. He is uh, obviously ready to go. He's been on the active roster for a couple of weeks. Does he get into a game this weekend? is question number one if he does we're going to assume it's one of the two which one is it two-parter <laughs> two-parter one does he get in two if he does which one does he get in it's it's tough right you got obviously a goalie of his pedigree you know healthy sitting on the bench he's obviously done a lot in in, in this game uh it's just he hasn't played a game yet this year and you know we're we're fighting for for position right now or the team you know we need a win we could use a win um do, do you go to that maybe you know you find find lightning in a bottle with him and and, and you know emotions and him just excited to be back and, and he and he has a big game personally uh, what i think is going to happen and i have no insight whatsoever so i think they're going to start rosie friday down there in georgia and depending how that goes will depend on what happens Saturday there. If, uh, you know, Toronto was a big win and, you know, Rosie, by all indications, played like he has for a majority of this year, um, they bounce back with him Saturday night. And uh, if not, maybe they, you know, they look at making a change. But I predicted a win. So, and I think if, you know, you, you go down, you get a win, it's pretty tough to, uh, to change up a winning lineup there coming home. What's your thoughts? So you're thinking Rosie's going back to back if they win Friday night? If they win Friday night. Wow, that's a whole other wrinkle that we didn't even talk about off air. Was that uh, based and on the win or the loss? I said my prediction was a win. So I I think going into the weekend, in some respects, um, I it's a very tough and delicate political thing to say here right now. But I just think that if you know, I don't want to say first place is out of reach because it's obviously not. There's a head-to-head game coming up here and obviously some games to play here down the stretch. However, I think you cannot lose Saturday night. Um, uh, I think that's where you go with your number one guy is Saturday night against Vancouver. Friday night, you get B. Miller into a game on the road. Uh, I think a little bit less pressure playing on the road as well. Um, and not that Brandon Miller is unable to handle the pressure of playing at home or on the road necessarily, if that really makes a difference to a guy who's been in the league for as long as he has been. But just overall, I would think a little bit less pressure playing on the road, uh, fewer distractions as well. Um, You can just go down there, play the game. You're focused on playing lacrosse, and that's all. And I think that's why I think Friday night, B. Miller, Saturday night, Rosie, um, I, I don't really, to me, think that there's uh, really any way that uh, Rosie's going to play both games this weekend, just in the fact that, um, 
you know, B. Miller hasn't played yet, and this would be a good opportunity given the recent results of a time to get him in. So that's my only thought. And, again, like we both said here, neither one of us have any uh, inside uh, knowledge here of, of what's going to go on. Uh, the coaches have not made any announcement uh, to to us in private or obviously publicly to anyone uh, either. So that's just my two cents on but, it. But, like, you are, you are right. If, if he is – if there is going to be a you know a time to get him in like back to back here, tough travel like you you mentioned that you know the boys aren't flying in until Saturday afternoon. That's a quick turnaround to be ready for the game. So yeah, you are right by uh, by saying if there is an opportunity to do it with four games in the next ten days, you would think this is the back to back to do it. I guess my logic was just being he's Rosie's having it having a good year and uh, even though he hasn't seen seen action in. in what has it been a year or just over a year or roughly yeah. roughly then i guess he's never going to see action if he doesn't get the opportunity yeah. to anyways right so yeah. and uh i don't think that's actually going to happen so yeah i've probably just sewered my own case there but <laughs> but uh well, well see it's an interesting happens. dilemma because yeah. uh, if this was more of a do or die game on friday night then i think to me there's no doubt you're going with rosie you're going with your number one guy the guy you've ridden the whole season here right there'd be no reason why you would make that change I think but it's also one of those things in sports where I think you get to a point and there's obviously four or five very good arguments and very good cases and they all make a lot of sense going into the game and then after the game hindsight's going to be 2020 and if something goes wrong somebody's going to say well obviously the choice was to go this way and not what they did so um you know, it's why they play the games, and it's why we like to, you know, we, we get to have fun talking about this stuff uh, leading into the game. So, leading into that, so Saturday night, back at home. Right now, the team has been better on the road than they have been at home, which is something else to maybe factor into this whole thing. Um, the Vancouver Stealth, some people didn't think that they were going to win as many games as they have already this season. <laughs> uh, myself, <laughs> Not to point anybody out. <laughs> but uh, right now they're coming in at 5-7 and seven and currently in a playoff spot, number three in the West, which uh, I think just kind of probably has everybody a little bit surprised right now that, that that's where they sit. However, you know, they've got an, an opportunity here to uh, come into Toronto, take advantage of perhaps a team – you know, going through travel, Vancouver's going to be sitting here. They're coming in Friday night. They're going to be w- well rested and adjusted, I guess, a little bit probably to the time change as well. By the time Saturday night rolls around, um, I, I really don't know what to expect from this game Saturday night because we haven't seen Friday night un- unfold yet. And I'm sure that no matter what we sit here and say going into this Friday night and whatever transpires there is probably going to change our minds as to what's going to happen Saturday night. But uh, I do think we're going to see a rock win. Um, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be, I want to say, 17-14 Toronto. I, I just think it's going to be one of those. Friday night, I think she's going to be a tight one, and the reins are going to be on everybody. And then Saturday, I think just coming off the travel and whatnot, I just feel like it, it may be a little bit of a looser game. And uh, I think we're going to see a lot of goals Saturday night by both teams. Hey, entertaining for the fans if the ball's going in that, yeah, that many That's times, all we're really concerned sure. about here anyways, isn't right? it? <laughs> Toronto Rock wins, 17 goals for. Yes. <laughs> uh, but I, I agree with the uh, the Toronto win side of things here. I think it's going to be a big big rebound weekend, like I said, and you know really set Toronto up nicely for the stretch drive here. But I don't think it's going to be that high scoring. I uh, 
I'm going to have to go a little lower than that. I might uh, settle in with a prediction of 12-9. to 9. Going back to last year's performance to these two teams in Toronto, fairly low-scoring game. Uh, I have that in the back of my head. I know with Bruce there, we did mention, you know, they do have a, a fairly well-rounded offense uh, with Small, Dutch, you know, Durston, Schuss, um, and the list goes on. But uh, I think Toronto, yeah, has a good game. And, We'll see what happens with the goaltending. It could be someone's first game of the week. It could be, you know, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And I think that will be, uh, the boys will be jacked up for to get back home and, uh, and get a big win in front of the home crowd. So before we go, we have to revive our short-term, long-term trade segment because it was on March break last week, as the show felt it like felt like it was at times last week as well but short-term long-term trade is back folks so uh everybody can relax and we'll dive right into it so this week the trio are three lefties three young lefties that are all kind of counted on as secondary scoring we should say so we have buffalo's mitch jones rochester's kyle jackson a rookie in the league and Colorado's Eli McLaughlin, who we got to see firsthand here on Friday night in Toronto. So, KD, have at it. This is a tough one. This is actually a really, really tough one. Small sample size for most of these guys in the NLL so far. And you've got, uh, you know, a West Coast guy in Eli McLaughlin that we don't really get to see too often. Yeah, no, it's very tough. I'm uh, definitely sitting here scratching my head when, uh, when you showed me this one. But here we are, and we'll get through her. <laughs> so... I'm going to start uh, just in the same order you just m- mentioned those. Uh, I'm actually going to keep Mitch Jones long-term. going to lock up Mitch Jones. Uh, I think he's really been taking strides this year specifically. Getting a, seems to be getting a more prominent role up front uh, on the offensive side of things. I know he had a, a bit of a tranny role to, uh, to start his, his, his NLL career. Uh, played with him in Brampton, saw him firsthand. He's a he's a bigger body as well. Uh, won a Minto and was a big part and can be a big part of that and successful teams as well. Uh, I'm gonna keep Mitch Jones. I think he's just gonna you know keep progressing upwards in a positive uh, direction. Right now, I'm gonna short term keep Kyle Jackson. Uh, like I said, being a rookie, but he is—he's definitely, you know, catching my attention. I think he had five goals last week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, producing for a Rochester team that seems to be struggling a bit currently, and, and you know, looking for offense. But every night he seems to be, you know, putting his points up respectively. And I'd short term only because it's been only been, you know, 10, 11 games in the league. He's a bit smaller as well than Miss Jones, so. Just want to see that play out a little bit more, and uh, that leaves me to trade Eli McLaughlin. Uh, you know, he has the most points though out of all three of these. He played a couple more games, but uh, you know, he's put up 50 points in 13 games. Uh, nothing to be a sl- you know, nothing to be ashamed of it by any means. But as the, we've said many times, the the nature of the beast in this game is someone has to go, and unfortunately today it's Eli McLaughlin. <laughs> <laughs> he is on the first plane out of town. Well, that's an intro. It was that is one of the tougher ones I think we've done so far. Kyle Jackson, I think, is kind of the most interesting one there, just being the fact that he's a rookie and who knows how high the ceiling is there. And Mitch Jones, like you mentioned, a guy you played with uh, in Junior A in Brampton, um, he's a guy that I think has kind of played a number of different roles early in his career in Buffalo, and now kind of by the uh, 
exodus, I guess, of some other lefties that would have been ahead of him previously on the depth chart is, has slidden in there and has done quite well. So, um, so there you have it. Another edition of short-term, long-term trade. Now, uh, the other big thing on the agenda coming up Monday is the NLL trade deadline, Monday, March the 27th. And traditionally, things are very quiet at the trade deadline. A lot of years, the Rock have been the only team that have been in the mix and made any deals. Um, You know, the biggest one we probably go back to is uh, the trade deadline in 2015 that saw the Rock trade Garrett Billings to the New England Black Wolves for Kevin Crowley. Um, maybe one of the bigger uh, one-for-one swaps uh, at the trade deadline in, uh, in in many years. There were there obviously there have been some other deals and especially deals in the days leading up to the trade deadline in the past. But in this league, generally, since there is so much parity, not a lot of teams are willing to make any big moves. You know, the draft. It's not like you've got uh, you know ten rounds and x hundred number of players selected you know the draft is very small as well there's a lot of free agents out there so it's it's not as though there is uh, maybe as much reason to make a trade mid-season as there there is in other sports and i think when you're looking to potentially acquire a key piece with everybody's rosters being so small and it's not like teams have eight and ten and twelve and fifteen you know, blue chip prospects sitting playing in a minor league somewhere that are developing that maybe a team wants to take those guys on and, and swap things out. So um, it's a very different landscape, I think, in the National Lacrosse League when it comes to the trade deadline. I don't know if we're going to see any significant moves here. We've already seen a couple of uh, decent ones with Pat Saunders moving and also with Steve Keogh moving uh, earlier this season. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think my prediction here is going to be we will see i think at most one trade tumble at most yeah i I think (laughs) on monday on actual trade deadline day i would say at most we will see one trade yeah and i agree and that genuinely upsets me i want to see an absolute blockbuster (laughs) to be honest not whether it be in toronto or just something that league-wide whether we can come back here next tuesday and say wow that's just yeah that's joe fan in me though um, but uh, like you said, I, I do agree. It is tougher to, uh, to to make this kind of stuff happen during the season. And you, you look at the parity. Everyone thinks they're still in a, in a shot here for a playoff and doesn't want to get rid of active bodies, I'm sure. And uh, it, they, it's tough to do, realistically. And I, I have to agree with you, though. I do think it's going to be rather quiet. We did see a couple what I thought were decently big names move already, though, this season, too, which just makes me think less and less is going to happen on Monday as well. Yeah, I mean, there aren't a lot of teams with a ton of extra depth, so to speak, that uh, could happen. I mean, the only thing I think that could possibly change the landscape is, you know, if there is a significant injury here in the next uh, couple of days over this weekend through the games coming up Friday and Saturday, that, uh, you know, that could change things as well. A team could have a, a more urgent need maybe than what uh, what appears to be the case. So. I, I don't know. I, I just uh, – it's a weird thing in this league. It, it's too bad because I'd love to see NLL Trade Center in some, you know, f- fashion. But with only nine teams, small rosters, and I just uh, – I see it being pretty quiet. And even you mentioned extra depth. The, the depth teams do have, it, it's been contributing. If you And you don't even have to look past the, you know, the Toronto Rock, whether it be – McDonald in, McDonald out, Caputo in, Caputo like Reinhold, guys that have needed to step in and out. Kieran's been in and out, but have all produced to a certain extent and helped out in a in a positive way at some point for the mm-hmm. team. But like you said, I, I would love to go 
go live from this boardroom Monday for TS or T- or <laughs> Toronto Rock Trade, Trade Center, Center or, yeah. or National Cross League Trade Center. And but realistically, that's just not going to happen. So no, I mean we could still go live. We would just be you know they talk a lot about on the you know on the NHL side of things that it's it's pretty quiet and they they'll have you know 15 20 plus trades some years to talk about and we literally could be waiting for that one <laughs> to come in at uh, 259 perhaps that would uh, fuel all of the discussion for the whole day like you know it, it would be interesting to to put together just a list of guys that randomly we think could be in play so to speak um and uh you know but then again that that list might be very <laughs> short as well just because you know you you're literally would be playing you know fantasy uh fantasy lacrosse so to speak and trying to dream up uh scenarios that you know most gms are sitting there saying they're probably not going to make the move and you know i think the other thing to factor in i think like i was trying to say a little bit earlier was just that making a trade at this time of year to bring in a significant piece a lot of times is a complete and full makeover of your team and its identity and i think that that is something that in this league is always forged in the off season and not necessarily mid-season um you know i i just can't see anybody you know i can't see a a dan dawson or a zach greer and adam jones you know moving in season i just don't see that happening um you know a guy at the end of his career maybe to go and perhaps have a chance to to win a championship i don't know but like we've talked about who who's really out of this thing right now yeah, no one really. That, no one. You know, Rochester even, you know, there's still games to be played here. And if they, you know, could go on a run and, who knows, finish 10-8, and eight, that's probably getting them in, in, you know. And, and that. that's not crazy to think that that team could go and win their last six games of the season. So um, nobody's out of this, and I think that pretty much just kind of almost puts a trade freeze artificially on, on pretty well everything. And, um, yeah, so – Sorry, we didn't get anybody excited with our trade deadline talk, no. but keep your eye on things. You'll probably see nothing on Monday. So um, I think that'll just about do it for the old program here. I think we're just about to wrap things up. We uh, we should, I guess, plug a little bit what's going on on Saturday night. Do you want to chat yeah, a little got bit our about that? Celebration of uh, Canadian lacrosse going on. There's a, l- a lot of cool things brought to you by our, uh, you know, our partner sponsorship, Tim Hortons. Very Canadian. Uh, talk about you know being at the rink with a coffee <laughs> I think that's standard for a lot of parents there yep. um, so that's going on we got a lot of cool various different you know teams coming down in attendance that are going to be uh, be recognized and uh, looking forward to it you know playing a Canadian team on a Saturday night and uh, I, I'm personally I'm excited because you know growing up it, it was always hockey night in Canada Saturday night two Canadian teams going on and I got that feel about about this particular game with the theme going on and uh you know playing playing vancouver and it, it should be good obviously some still plenty great tickets available uh torontorock.com or by calling our office here at 416-596-3075 and uh we'll be more than happy to get you set up but yeah you won't want to miss this only two home games left for the toronto rock this season so last saturday game of the year as well so you you know take advantage of that while it's here yeah, and there is some history between these two teams. In 2010 and 2011, the Rock and the Stealth met in the NLL Champions Cup final. Back then, it was uh, just a one-game winner-take-all. In 2010, uh, the Stealth won in uh, Washington at the time. 
And then in 2011, of course, Toronto won uh, the championship, the last uh, rock win back in 2011 at Air Canada Centre, Bob Watson's uh, last game, all that good stuff. So there is some history between these two teams. They've played each other in uh, championship finals. And, uh, you know, Saturday night is a big game for both teams as Vancouver looking to keep their hold on third spot in the West and lock down their sixth win of the season, which would be one more than they won all of last season. And Toronto looking to push themselves back to two games above 500 as well. So get your tickets now. Canadian lacrosse night celebration of 150 years of this great game in our country. You don't want to miss it. The Vancouver Stealth and the Toronto Rock torontorock.com for your tickets so in the meantime and in between time that's it another edition of toronto rock total access for kyle davis i am mike hancock saying we'll chat next week